0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This show is supported by State Farm.
1: Enjoy. From Hollywood, it's
2: time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar.
3: This is Carl Bush, Johnny.
2: Yeah, Carl, what's new?
3: We've currently got a marine insurance headache down here. I don't know if you're interested, but your commission would be fat. I called you because I had a feeling you know Singapore. Is that right?
4: Yeah, I've been there on a case, and it'll have to be a fat commission to get me back there.
3: The policy is for $300,000. Covers a cargo that's being delayed out there. A time clause.
4: What reason do you have so far?
3: Mechanical trouble on the ship. One breakdown after another.
4: Accidental, sabotage, or both?
3: That's what we want to learn. Come on down after lunch and talk it over.
2: Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-State Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Yankee Pride matter. Expense account item one, a dollar and a half, cab fare to your office.
3: Maritime insurance is a bad gamble at best, Dollar. Looks like we're on the short end of this one.
4: That I know about. I bet on Notre Dame last Saturday.
3: (laughs) You aren't alone. This is a cargo of tin bound for a West Coast plant that's under government contract. Armament. Bearings, I think.
4: Mm. Well, that's where that time clause you mentioned fits, huh?
3: Right. They got a deadline, so they insured themselves. The way it stands, if that ship doesn't leave Singapore in a week, we start losing 2% a day on 300,000.
4: You have an office in Singapore?
3: Yes, but we haven't gotten any satisfaction from them. I don't know. That far away, you're out of touch.
4: What's your man's name?
3: Here. Name's Ells. Vincent Ells. Here's the address.
4: Mm, yeah. Well, I guess I can get the rest of the dope from him. <laughs> I'll get out of here as soon as I can get space.
3: Good. Nice seeing you, Johnny. Let me know when your plane leaves. I'll send you a bouquet of bourbon or something.
4: Account item two, twelve hundred and eighty dollars, airfare and incidental expenses between Hartford and Singapore. In the perverse way of shipping airlines, we arrived with one of Malaya's heavy, muggy dawns, coasting in over haze hidden native villages, the island studded harbor, and finally settling on the big you. I finished customs by 9, napped in my room at the Hotel Europe till 10, and I was in Tri-State's office by 1 p.m.
5: I'm happy to meet you, Mr. Dollar. Sit down. I trust you had a pleasant trip out? Well, it's a little too long to be pleasant, Mr. Ells, but those airline people do everything they can. Yes, you've, uh, you've been in the East before? A few times. Now... Then you know that the unexpected is more or less commonplace here. Hey, what are you driving at? It's possible that you've come on an extremely dangerous mission, sir. Oh? On the other hand, perhaps it's only coincidence. Uh, one of my adjusters has been killed. He was working on this case? Yes, I'm afraid he was.
4: What have you done about it? I've turned the matter over to the police. Did you mention the situation, the delayed cargo?
5: I did, but I rather think that they categorized him as an individual rather than as an insurance adjuster. Who was he? A young Chinese, uh, Ku Fosun. an intelligent chap. I discussed the matter with him the morning previous to his death. That was two days ago. And he told me he was going to visit the ship in question, the Yankee Pride. The men on board said he never arrived. You don't think his death was a coincidence, do you? Instinctively, no, but it's true that death isn't where in some quarters here. Uh, so I've heard. Hey, uh,
4: did this boy of yours leave a family? Anyone I can talk to?
5: His parents were killed in the last unpleasantness, uh, but there's a brother. They shared quarters. Uh, I'd like to have the address. Of course. It's in uh, Den Coolant Street. Uh, here you are. I won't bother directing you. Any Rickshaw fellow will know where it is. But I believe he's employed by a Dutch concern. Uh, wouldn't be at home till evening. That'll
4: work out. I want to go talk to the chief engineer of that ship first anyway.
5: Yes, I suppose you'll have to go. I only beg of you to proceed with great caution. The ship is down at the east docks.
6: I'm in the sack. Come
4: in. Oh, sorry to bother you, Chief. I Oh. What's the matter with you?
6: Blasted fever. Seems like this climate brings it back. Malaria? Yeah. What do you want aboard?
4: My name's Dollar. I was sent out here by the company that's insuring your cargo. What about it? Well, they're gonna start losing money if this ship doesn't get started home in a few days. And...
6: Well, there's nothing they can do and nothing I can do. I have a bearing flown to me from Hong Kong. When that gets here, I can pump water into the boilers, and not before.
4: What do you think about all this mechanical trouble you've been having? What do you mean? Well, has it all been legitimate, or could it have been
6: sabotage? Sabotage? Now, who'd do that? I don't know. Well, it hasn't been sabotage. Bearings go, and generators foul up without any help. Ask me, I've been nursing them for 15 years. When do you expect the stuff from Hong Kong? It's hard to say. People don't work the same out here as they do in the States.
4: Well, I'll fly up there myself after your bearing if it'll get you out of here on time.
6: Look, mister, I'm not in any shape to figure out anything now. I'm sick. I'll try and talk to the captain about it. Come back tomorrow, will you?
4: Sure, Chief. I know. That fever's rough. After dinner that night, I rickshawed towards the address of the dead Chinese adjuster. I crossed over the Singapore River, which winds through the city to separate the native and European quarters, and entered Ben Coolan Street was jammed with its people outside to take advantage of the breath of coolness that comes with night.
6: We are here, Twan.
4: Good. Which door?
6: Uh, I point.
4: Good.
6: Uh, you go some other place, Twan. I wait.
4: All right, you
2: wait.
6: Here you
7: are.
8: Uh, are you
4: Mr. cool Who asked? I'm an American. I want to talk to you about your brother.
9: I will not talk. Why do you come here?
4: I'm working for the company where your brother worked. I came all the way from America. Why won't you talk to me?
9: You speak the truth?
4: Yes, I have no reason
2: to lie.
9: You come then. You heard in America about my brother?
4: No, but I'm here in Singapore to do the same job he was doing when he was killed. I wondered if there was some connection. Connection? Was he killed because of what he was doing or for some other reason?
9: I do not know. I did not know what he was doing.
4: Are you telling the truth? Yes. What are you afraid of? Why did you tell me you wouldn't talk about your brother?
9: I do not want to die.
4: Why would you die? Did someone tell you that you would if you talked about it?
9: Yes, I cannot tell anything because I know nothing.
4: That he will not believe. Who? Come on, you can trust me. I I promise you I won't mention a word of this.
9: He who came here before the police. I told him that my brother and I speak of other things, not work. But he made promise that I die if I speak to police.
4: Who was this man? Did you know him?
9: No, I have never seen him.
4: The Oriental or Occidental?
9: English. He would do low work, I think. The work of frightening people for some other.
4: Ah. And you're sure your brother didn't say anything about his work the night or day before he was killed, huh? Anything about a ship named the Yankee Pride?
9: Nothing. I have spent many hours remembering his last words to me. He spoke only of one new thing. A woman. With forsoon soon, there was always new woman. With this one, he was filled with pride and excitement she was, Malayan. Perhaps she brought him death.
4: The man that threatened you, did he ask you about her?
9: He asked me everything that had been talked of. But I was frightened and did not mention her. Do
4: you know her name or where I can find her?
9: You will keep the secret?
4: I won't even mention that I've met you.
9: What will you say?
4: I don't know. I'll lie about when I got here. I'll tell her I talked to your brother that night before he died.
9: Come ah. on. Her name is Randi. There is a place of an Arab in Malabar Street. It is called Billy Parker. That is where he spoke of finding her.
4: All right. I'll see if I can.
9: Please. Of course, Soon's death is a very heavy sorrow. But my death is in the future. Do not come back. To speak further of this would be to waste the future.
4: I won't come back, Mr. Cole. Thanks for the help you've given me.
6: I went one. You go other place
7: now.
4: Yeah, I go other place. Malabar Street, Billy Parker. You know that? I
7: know, I know. I know.
4: I didn't bother to go back. The crowd surging around the door I'd come out was enough to tell me what had happened. The future that Mr. Koo had been so anxious to protect had just ceased to exist.
2: just a moment, we'll return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Edmund O'Brien. But first, are you ready to sing it again tonight? You'll find a whole hour full of the day's popular music sung by Eugenie Baird, Alan Dale, Bob Howard, and the Riddlers. You'll hear the tuneful riddle songs that lead to Sing It Again's Phantom Voice Treasure Trove, $5,000 in cash and 10000 more in wonder prizes. Be listening again to Sing It Again tonight when it comes your way on most of these same CBS stations. The phantom's a puzzler, but some CBS listener will win that five grand in cash. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: Telephones are still at a premium in the native quarters of Singapore... I wanted to report what had happened to Vincent Ells and tell him where I was going and why. So I tried to find one, but couldn't. The joint called the Billy Parker was a mixture of nationalities, languages, and tobacco smoke. I spotted two Occidentals as I went in. They ignored me, so I ignored them and elbowed a place at the bar.
7: Hello,
10: boss. What'd you drink?
4: Any scotch?
10: Oh, yes, sir. Got good scotch.
4: No, I'll take one. Don't mix it. Hey, I'm looking for a girl named Rondy. She hit her, man?
10: Randy? You got table. She serve you, boss. You pay her. Right. Rondi. I'm showing
7: you, drink Hi, I'm Rondy. I brought
11: a drink for me. Is all right? I'm
4: glad you did. Sit down
11: did you ask for me?
4: Well, a friend told me about you.
11: You sound American, are you? That's right. I know some Americans.
4: Did one teach you to speak English? You speak very well.
11: No, they do not teach me that. I learned from missionary school in Penang. You are surprised?
4: I didn't know it showed.
11: Everybody is surprised around. They went to school. Some American friend told you about me?
4: No, he was Chinese. His name was Ku Soon.
11: Ku Fosun. Hmm. He is no friend of mine. He's four clerks. He told you about me?
4: A couple of afternoons ago. Said he was coming here to meet you.
11: He wanted to meet me, all right, but I did not want to meet him. He made fool of himself.
4: That would be easy.
11: What did he say about me?
4: Oh, that, that you were beautiful. That he was looking forward to seeing
11: you. He said that because he was lonely. I know about men... Is that why you think of me tonight? Because you are lonely?
4: As a matter of fact, I am.
11: What is your name?
4: Dollar Johnny Dollar.
11: (laughs) You tease me.
4: I'll admit it has a ring to it.
11: No. I tease you. I know the name. In Penang, my father worked for a steamship line with that name. Are you in shipping
4: business? No relation. Shall we get rid of the scotch?
11: How do you say? Bottoms (laughs) Bottoms up. <laughs> I think I like son so, so better now. What do you mean? Because he told you about me. I get tired of these people. I like to talk to you. Rundi,
6: you come
11: work. Oh, work. will you wait for
4: me?
6: <laughs> wait for
4: you? Only a little while.
11: Then I stop work. You come to my house. We can talk some more.
7: Please, you wait. <laughs>
4: Rondi, are you lying to me, or don't you really know that Kufu Soon is dead?
11: He is dead? I only knew him that one time. Not as well as I know you. How should I find out? Why should I lie to you? Because
4: the chances are that you're the last person to see him before he was killed.
11: How do you know that?
4: Because he was on his way to meet you, and he never came back.
11: There are many places to go in Singapore.
4: Yeah, yeah, but it all keeps returning to you or that place. Pusun's brother was shot right after he told me about you.
11: I did not know he had brother. Johnny, I do not want to talk to you like this.
4: I gave the name of the place to my rickshaw boy. Somebody overheard it. And the shooting took place right after we left. Why would somebody want to keep me away from you?
11: Nobody wants to keep you away from me. You are frightened.
4: Ah, that's past. If they'd wanted to kill me, they would have by now. Why did you bring me here?
11: I thought you understood. You are in trouble. Why don't you tell me? To listen to you, I would help you.
2: Hmm. Forget it.
11: That would be better. I will help you forget, too. I'll make a drink. Hi. Do you like pie? Sure, sure, anything. Do not think about your dead things, John. You cannot help them now you
8: think of me what else easy now easy sorry to interrupt hey keep your pistol on him roy right well i'll find out if he's got one
11: he's
8: not on Ah, well you should know dearie well now ain't you going to get up i don't see why i should because we're going for a little dry that's why you should are you coming like a gentleman or otherwise
6: boy yeah oh
8: what do you make of it you go to sleep in a river shack yeah now careful now stay on your feet and you wake up on the threshold of a blasted mansion yeah give me a hand Roy he can't hold his feet yet right. yes. <laughs> you know you're an important man dollar but don't get big-headed there's them that's more important major here we are I'm in the library come along right you are go on straight ahead on earth have you done to him? <clears throat> he, uh, he was quite, um, violent, sir.
12: Here, help him to the chair. I'd hope this wouldn't happen, Mr. Duller. Let me look at you. Don't
4: bother. You'll get a foot in the face if you get close enough. I promise you that.
12: Oh, I see. It's obvious that you fancy yourself a difficult man to deal with. But let me share a simple truth. You'll accomplish nothing here... Until I allow you to. Those are strong words. I have the power to support them. I know all about you, why you're here. My chief engineer will see that the Yankee pride does not move until
4: I give the word. And when will that be? When I am ready to leave for Mexico.
6: Mex?
4: You're crazy. That ship isn't going to Mexico. Oh, yes it is, Mr. Dollar. Because I have paid well for passage there. You don't buy ship's articles. The Yankee pride says she's going to San Francisco. (laughs) One
12: can buy anything with sufficient funds. The simplest are the petty official signatures needed to make these changes. You'd be amazed at how easily eyes are blinded and ears deafened. You don't agree with me? Up to a point. I understand. You think that I brought you here for the purpose of bargaining with you? There's no need for that. Why am I here? Because I enjoy my power. And at the moment, I'm fighting you and your stumbling,
4: idiotic method. You're proud of your own? What kind of power did it take to bring off the murders of the Koo brothers? I'm not impressed. You will be.
12: I'm going to let you go on with your investigation, because you're a harmless pipsqueak. Thanks. How much money will your company
4: lose by further delay? Two percent of $300,000 for each day over
12: schedule. Hmm. Well, please convey to them my thanks. And tell them I shall cover their loss. They won't attempt to prosecute. You may go. Earl and Roy will drive you wherever you wish them to.
4: I retreated to my hotel room. But I knew one thing about him and thought I knew something else. His name is spotted on an envelope on the way out. Seemed to be Major Ralph Dixon. And I had a strong feeling that his weakness was his strength and vice versa. The man was power mad. In spite of my exhaustion, frustration didn't let me sleep too well through the rest of the night. don't think for a minute that it didn't happen. What do you know about a Major Ralph Dixon? Ralph Dixon? Yeah. Why nothing, who is he? Well, he boasts that he's the man behind our trouble. He's crazy, and I really mean that. Oh? He claims that he's bribed everybody concerned with the Yankee Pride sailing, including port officials.
7: Mr. Dolly, you sound
4: serious. I believe him. Look, you have better entree here than I have. Would you see that you can learn uh, something about the ship's papers being changed to include a Mexican port?
5: Mexican port, I
4: know that. Well, he says there is. And see what you can learn about his visas and passport. And you might even check customs. He's holding the sailing up for something.
7: I say, uh, what are you going to be
4: doing? Well, I'll start at the other end. I know my way around the bottom.
11: Run away! Get out! I knew you would come back here.
4: You aren't afraid of me, but you will be. Right now, you're afraid of the major, and I don't blame you. Two men were killed to keep you and the rest of his pawns afraid. Yes, I am afraid
11: of him. Many people are.
4: You and one or two others are going to have to protect him by taking the blame for those two murders. You know that, don't you?
11: Said there would be no trouble.
4: That was before I came to town. I say there is going to be trouble because I'm going to turn you in. And the Major is so powerful that nobody will believe you when you tell the truth. You will pay for it all. I believe that. Well, don't you want to help yourself if you can?
11: Why? You know his power?
4: Not like you do, and I don't want to. I think he's crazy. And if I have to, I'll kill him.
11: What can I do?
4: Tell me what's behind it.
11: Good. From an inland Sultanate who is afraid of invasion. They send their gold out when they can. The Major is making the arrangements.
4: How much, do you know?
11: I've only heard almost 100 million.
4: American standard? Yes,
11: American. That's been delayed in its journey here. What can you do against power like that, Johnny?
4: If we can get high enough, we'll break them. The man I'm working with on this is checking every official the major claims to have paid off.
11: How do you know that?
4: What do you mean by that?
11: You are speaking of Mr. Ellis? That's right. He is only a human being. He is as greedy as any of us. I do not think he's asking questions.
4: He's been bought, too, huh? Yes. You, the captain, the engineer, officials,
11: L. You, too, Johnny. If you were wise.
4: Did they tell you to say that?
11: It does not matter. Yes, they did. They told me to warn you.
4: Uh, I'm glad to hear that.
11: Why should you be glad?
4: Because it means he's afraid of me. What else were you supposed to tell me?
11: Only about Mister
7: Els. Yeah.
4: Mister Els is as good a place to start as any. <laughs> Check on the tri state office told me that Ells had left for home, so I followed him there. It was a cottage set back from the street. No one answered my knock. Through the veranda window, I could see why. Vincent Ells was sprawled on the floor, a pistol just beyond his outstretched hand. On the way to Major Dixon's, I stopped at my hotel long enough to get an automatic out of my luggage.
8: Well, what are you?
4: Just left Vincent L's house.
12: Oh, yes. I've been advised that the poor man took his own life. Perhaps you can profit from his act. I
4: think I can. What happened? Did he turn on you?
12: Well, let us say that he didn't appreciate his position with me. He miscalculated my strength. Naturally learned there was nothing left for him to live for. How have you fared?
4: I've done all right. I've finally realized that there's only one way to stop you. And uh what is that?
12: To kill you? Have you thought of that? <laughs> See here. Yeah. I'm a man of influence. You'd not be rewarded, you'd be prosecuted.
4: I think you're a man of influence only in your own mind. Your influence is due partially to money, but more to fear. Ells turned on you and you killed him. The girl Rondi would if she weren't afraid. Ah, no, but she is. She wouldn't be if you were dead. I want you to come with me. And where would we go? Down to the police commissioner, where I want you to list every bribe and killing you've been involved in. Ridiculous. I have an appointment at the club. Uh, You'll pardon me, I'm sure. I know about the gold, Major.
12: Oh, you do, do you? What do you propose doing about it?
4: I'm going to stop it. You? (laughs) (laughs) Don't try to leave, Major. Major? (laughs) What? I didn't kill him. As it turned out, I didn't have to. Police investigation of the shooting brought out all the truth. The gold was confiscated when it arrived, and after three days of questioning, I was released. Remarks? You may lose two days on the Yankee Pride schedule, but to balance that, you also lost Mr. Ells, an agent you can do without. Expense account item four, $300 miscellaneous. Expense account item five, same as item two. Expense account total, $2,686. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music conducted by Alexander Courage. Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Bob Sweeney, Tudor Owen, Bill Johnstone, Wally Mayer, Jack Crucian, and Ben Wright. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. This is Bob Stevenson inviting you to join us next week at this time when we'll again bring you Edmund O'Brien as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. There's Saturday night fun with the Younger Married set when Lucille Ball and her favorite husband come along later this evening on most of the same Columbia station. Now stay tuned for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately on most of the same CBS stations. This is CBS, where Hopalong Cassidy rides every Saturday night on the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. The
2: Hallmark Playhouse, which is heard during most of the year at this time on Thursdays, has finished its summer vacation. So be with us when Hallmark Playhouse returns to CBS a week from tonight on September the 7th. Now, from Hollywood, it's time for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Uh,
13: Carl Brewster down at East Coast. Yes, Carl. Uh, I wonder if you do a little job for
4: us. Sure, what is it?
13: A policyholder of ours needs some protection.
4: Well, I hope this doesn't indicate a trend. This is the second time an insurance company has hired me as a bodyguard. Isn't that rather unusual?
13: Well, it's rather an unusual case. This girl, uh, her fiancé has spent the past five years in prison. He's being released tomorrow, and he swears that the first thing he's going to do is kill her.
4: Well, that's cozy. Mm Mm-hmm.
13: I think she deserves some help. Uh, Come on down this afternoon. We'll talk it over. (laughs)
2: Edmund O'Brien, in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, East Coast Underwriters, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Carl Brewster. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during assignment on the Virginia Beach matter. Expense account item one a dollar and a half cab fare from my apartment to your
13: office.
7: Well, well,
13: you're prompt, dollar. How are you, Mr. Brewster? Or did we set any particular time? No, I guess we didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to see you anyway. Sit down. Thank you. Now, let's see. Oh, yes, the Browning girl, Janice Browning. How much did I tell you over the phone?
4: That her boyfriend was getting out of stir and was going to kill her. What you left unsaid was that she probably deserves it. What's that? I don't hold much sympathy for these dames that get themselves involved with some hoodlum and then decide to get disinvolved the minute the going gets rough. But
13: it's your money. I wouldn't jump to conclusions, Dollar. This is a pathetic case. Of course, the girl made a mistake in taking up with this fellow, but five years is a long time to think, and she realized her mistake. What did he go up for? I believe it was robbery:
4: You know if she spent all the loot before she realized a mistake?: Now, Dollar. Why doesn't she hire a
13: bodyguard herself? Because she can't afford it, she has nothing. She turned to us because there was no place to go. Poor thing is in desperate fear of her life, Dollar. Surely you can appreciate that. Okay, give me the rest. There's a little more. She's living in Virginia, uh, outside of Norfolk, uh, Virginia Beach. Janice Browning, was it? Uh Uh-huh. I have her address for you. Her fiancé's name is Robeson, uh, Mark Robeson. And he's due out tomorrow? From the state penitentiary at Richmond. Uh, Just stay with her until we see what happens. She, uh, she was here, Dollar. I talked to her. This will not be an unpleasant assignment for you.
4: She must have something more than a policy to knock this whole company off its feet far enough to hire a bodyguard. That could spell bankruptcy if it went far enough. Expense account item two, $110, transportation and incidentals between Hartford and Virginia Beach, Virginia. Virginia Beach seemed hardly the scene for potential murder, a white strip of sunny beach on one hand and a friendly forest of pine on the other. I found Janice Browning's address just south of the village proper, a fair-sized cottage surrounded first by a small... Well-kept garden and then undeveloped land. When I got out of the cab, I was looked over by a trim little honey blonde thing in shorts and halter who waited for me on the veranda. Hello. Hello.
14: You seem to be carrying a suitcase. Are you sure you haven't been misdirected?
4: Are you Miss Janice Browning?
14: No, I'm her personal maid. Who are you?
4: My name is Dollar. I'm the investigator from the insurance company. Did you say personal maid?
14: Yeah. Did you say investigator?
4: That's
14: right. Well, I hope you'll pardon me if I'm confused. I was not notified of the arrival of no investigator. What is it you want?
4: Miss Brownie asked for me. She went to her insurance company and requested a bodyguard.
14: A bodyguard? Well, I don't know about that. But then there are lots of things I don't know as yet. I'm new here. But if she asked for you, you may as well come in.
4: Thanks. Thanks.
14: I suppose you were surprised when I said I was Miss Browning's personal maid because of the way I'm dressed, if you'll pardon the expression.
4: As a matter of fact, I was surprised that she had one.
14: Why'd you say that?
4: I'd been led to believe that she couldn't afford things like that.
14: Well, between you and I, I haven't been paid yet. But she seems to be very generous. She turned over her entire wardrobe for me to wear at any time. Yeah, but maybe that's a bad sign. Maybe she's going to pay me off in clothes. And they don't quite fit, as you can see.
4: How long have you been here?
14: Just only three days. My name's Betty Light. I took the name Light from my stepfather. What are you doing here?
4: Well, Miss Browning has a fiancé coming out of prison today, and she's afraid to meet him alone.
14: Prison? Well, you could never tell. But I suppose it's her business. What is it? Well, if I was sweating out a fiancé after all that time, I wouldn't be quite so thick with what she's thick with. What do you mean? Well, if I were him, I'd feel cheated. She hasn't been wasting her time, from what I can tell. And in one week, that's plenty. But I shouldn't be gassing like this. Who is he? His name is George Masters. And if there's a fiancé on tap, he'd better be careful. Why is she afraid, as if she shouldn't be?
4: Well, because she changed her mind about him and evidently didn't tell him about it.
14: Sure, the same old story. Well, this is a surprise to me, but the least I can do is work out the wig.
4: You know, Betty... I feel the same way. It was just past midday when I arrived, and it wasn't until almost five that a cream colored convertible coasted into the driveway carrying a man and another honey blonde. I could see immediately how Janice Browning had swept the insurance company off its feet.
15: How do you do, Mr. Dollar? I'm so glad you're here. Oh, may I present Mr. Masters? All
4: right, Mr. Masters. Uh, I won't stay, Jan. I know you have things to talk over. I'll pick you up at 7.
15: All right, George.
4: Uh, Bye, Dollar. I feel a lot better, too, now that you're here. I'll do what I can.
15: See you at 7, Jan. I'll be ready. Oh, please sit down, Mr. Dollar. Betty?
14: Yes, Miss Browning?
15: I don't think we'll need anything, and I'd like to see Mr. Dollar alone, if you don't mind. Oh, by
14: all means, Miss Browning. Could I have your permission to visit the
15: beach? Of course, stay as long as you like. You know where the beach things are. Oh,
14: I wouldn't think of
15: encroaching. I'll just go the way I am. She's the strangest girl.
4: Where'd you find her?
15: She was a waitress in New York. I asked her if she wanted to come down for the rest of the summer. I thought she'd be company. But she's become so formal, or tries to be. Would you like a drink or something? No, thanks. I suppose you think I'm an awful coward to scream for help the way I did.
4: Well, I haven't heard all the particulars.
15: I, I really didn't know what else to do. I thought of running away, but, well, I've made friends here. There's a the simple fact that I don't have any money.
4: How serious do you think this threat to kill you is?
15: I'm afraid it's quite serious. But I, I don't know what will happen, and I wanted somebody to be with me.
4: When did you see him last?
15: Six months ago. I thought about it for a long time, about our breaking our engagement and which would be the best way to do it, and I decided to face him while he was still in prison and simply tell him I couldn't go on.
7: Well,
4: that wasn't the easiest way to hand it to him.
15: I know, but it was the fairest, I thought. He didn't create a scene or anything, but I'll never forget his expression. He just looked at me and said, Have your fun. You've only got six months, because when I get out of here, I'm going to kill you. Well, now the six months are up, He's been let out.
4: He knows you're here?
15: Yes, he'll come here.
4: Your friend master said he was going to call for you at seven. Where were you going?
15: Just to dinner and maybe a club afterward.
4: I think you'd better cancel it.
15: Why? I'll go crazy if I have to sit in this house and just wait.
4: I don't want you to come back here after dark for one reason. If you can't go a long distance and stay, I don't want you to leave at all. The village is too small. If he knows it, he'll find you.
15: I'll be with George. George.
4: Look, you managed to put the responsibility of this thing into the lap of your insurance company, and they handed it to me. Now, I want you to stay here where I can keep my eye on you. All right, Mr. Dollar.
15: I'll do anything you want me to.
4: Good. Oh, uh, you might mix that drink you offered. Scotch, if you have it, and plain water. (laughs) The rest of the evening was spent with small talk and mounting tension. The state penitentiary was no more than 100 miles from Virginia Beach, and since it's the habit of prisons to turn out their guests at dawn, Mark Robeson had had plenty of time to make the trip. In spite of a sultry night, I closed and locked all the doors and windows, and by 11, the cottage was dark, with everyone retired. The living room was the most strategic spot in the house, so I stretched myself across a couch that was too short for me and listened to the silence. It must have been sometime after midnight when I heard a door crack behind me. Who's that?
14: It's I, Mr. Dower.
4: Oh, you shouldn't be roaming around the house, Betty. I down near laid a chair across your head. Oh,
14: it was too hot to sleep, and besides, I have a few things on my mind if you're interested.
4: Sure, sure, sit down.
14: Oh, thanks. Did I not understand you to say that this con was her fiance?
4: That's right.
14: Well, she certainly lives in circles, if you ask me. I happened to uncover some information that will knock you for a loop. What? Well, basically, I've never been a snoop, but I didn't go to the beach. Oh. No. After you advised me of the situation around here, I ha- felt I had a right. I went into her room, which is no more than an oversized closet with bath, and it's a good thing I did because in a drawer I found a picture of Miss Browning posing as a bride. A bride. Yeah.
4: Are you sure of that?
14: As sure as I'm sitting here. And the guy standing with her was a bridegroom, if I ever saw one, were they fancy? What do you think of that?
4: I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean anything.
14: But from what I've overheard, this fiancée of hers has been in prison for five years.
4: Yeah, that's the story. Then how
14: come her wedding picture was taken in 1947?
4: Was it? And that's
14: what's stamped on the back of it. Now, is that screwy or isn't it?
4: It definitely is.
14: And there are some other things that don't ring truly. For example, this mug she is currently tied to. I heard her when she called him tonight, and it sounded more like...
4: He blasted your room. Get down the floor. Stay there.
2: Hey, hold it. Hold it, Rose.
4: He hadn't moved away from the window he'd fired through. When I got to him, he was still pointing the now empty gun at me, pulling the trigger and looking down at it stupidly.
2: Get away. I won't go back. I don't have to stay in the hospital now. I'm all better now.
4: Give me the gun, ropes, and It's empty.
2: No. It's mine. You're one of her men. She always had men.
4: No, I'm not one of her men. Let's go in the house and calm down. You talk like a doctor. Yeah, you're a doctor. You can't
2: take me back. Get away from me. You told me to make myself believe that she was dead and I'd sleep better. Come on, Robeson. Get away. I won't go back. Let go.
4: Don't cause any more trouble, Robeson. Now, come
6: on. I won't go back. Let go, Robeson. Well, no. now I don't have to go back. Let go. Oh. Uh-huh.
4: I heard stories of the unbelievable physical strength of those whose mental strength is gone. I got his hands away from my throat by sinking my knee into his stomach. There was nothing I could do to hold him. He lumbered off into the darkness and disappeared. I didn't need a medical opinion to know that I wasn't protecting Janice Browning from a released convict. I was protecting her from a homicidal maniac.
2: the opportunity of a lifetime waiting today for any healthy young American man, an opportunity to begin a profitable and stable career for himself and at the same time to offer assistance to his nation, to the United Nations in their present conflict against armed aggression. The United States Armed Forces need volunteers today in every branch of the service. You have the chance to choose not only the branch, but the type of work which you feel will be of the most benefit to you in the years ahead. May we suggest that you go to your nearest recruiting office now to see if you are eligible to volunteer and inquire about the many opportunities open to you? And now, back to our star, Edmund O'Brien, and the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: Yeah, turn on some lamps in here, but stay away from the windows. I doubt if he'll come back, but he might.
14: That brute is still on the loose?
4: Yeah, yeah. Where's Miss Browning?
14: She's still in her room. I heard her bawling, but she stopped now.
4: Miss Browning? Yes? I'm coming in.
15: Where, where is
4: he? I couldn't hold him. Where's the light
15: switch? No, no, don't turn on the lights.
4: He thinks he killed you. He won't come back tonight.
15: Well, why don't you go ahead and say it?
4: Oh, I'd better not. As a matter of fact, I don't mind your lies or the way I was dragged into this. But what really stinks is you're hiring that girl because she looks enough like you to be mistaken for you at a distance. You give her your clothes to wear and you put her into your room. She'd be dead now if she hadn't come into the living room.
15: I'm not trying to pass the blame, but it was George Master's idea. He remembered her and thought bringing her here might be a way to save my life.
4: Robeson's your husband, isn't
15: he? Yes, he's my husband.
4: What's he doing running around loose?
15: He escaped from a hospital in Pennsylvania. He's been there a year. He tried to kill me before he was committed.
4: Why didn't you tell the insurance company the truth? I did. No, you didn't. Yes,
15: I did. It was Mr. Brewster's idea to tell you that he was coming out of prison. He thought you wouldn't take the job if you knew the truth.
4: Well, he was right, and I'm leaving the job right now. Oh,
15: you have every right to.
4: You can get yourself some protection around here.
15: I couldn't when I tried. I went to every private detective in Norfolk and Portsmouth.
4: None of them would take the case? no. Well, what about the police? What is this, county out here?
15: Yes, it is. I notified the sheriff's office and they promised me extra patrols, but that's the best they could do.
4: How would you happen to turn to the insurance company?
15: Well, George Masters is my lawyer. He suggested it. Mr. Dollar, I'm not begging for help or excusing anything I've done, but I've been half crazy with fear and the awful lost feeling when nobody would help me. I, I, I had to do something.
4: What about your lack of money? Was that a lie, too? Oh,
15: every penny I had has been spent on treatment for Mark. I borrowed from George on my insurance. I, I sold our house in Connecticut, and that money's gone. This property is all I have left, and I've borrowed against it.
4: Huh? I guess you've had your troubles. Who can I talk to about your husband?
15: You mean a, a doctor?
4: Yes, I thought maybe a doctor might know what Robeson would do next.
15: Well, Dr. Becker... Came on to Norfolk after he warned me that Mark had escaped. His his phone number is in the little book on the stand.
4: Well, I hate to bother him, but I'd like to have him come out tonight. Mr. Dollar. Yeah? You're staying? Well, not any longer than I have to. Say, uh, you'd better get up and have a drink. You're know, shaking like a leaf. I changed my mind about dropping the case, Mr. Brewster, not only because she was a beautiful woman in a tough situation, but also for another reason. I awoke Dr. Becker at his hotel in Norfolk, and after I outlined the night's events to him, he agreed to come out.
10: It must have been a decidedly unpleasant experience, Mr. Dollar. On the other hand, you are fortunate to be alive. Yes, I guess I am. Robson is only dangerous when his basic jealousy is aggravated. You say you arrived with Luggy? That's right. Perhaps he was watching then and misunderstood your visit. Ah,
4: I get it. Well, what do we do now, Doctor? He probably thinks he killed her. Can we expect him to come back? Well, that
10: is hard to say. He'll suffer a deep sense of remorse. Then he may feel that what took place was only a figment, a dream. The remorse would cause introspection and keep him away the fantasy thought might bring him back to investigate. When? Oh, who knows? Tonight even, or tomorrow. Would he try to kill her again? Oh, yes, yes. An extremely strong fixation. Uh, do you want him to come back? Well, I want to see the end of this.
4: That's the best way I can think of. I'll keep his wife here tomorrow, outside, so he
10: can see her if he does oh, come. She's the one who really has suffered, the poor girl. I wish there were a way to ensure her safety. We could alert the police... Well, with the police on the scene, then he would not return? Shh. shh. Here she comes. Oh, hello, Dr. Beck. Oh, good evening, my dear. Or oh, morning, rather. Oh, I'm so sorry about the trouble. Oh, I'm afraid it can't be helped. I was so sure at one point that he was responding to treatment. Oh,
15: I know you've done your best, Doctor. Mr. Dollar, I, I may be imagining things, but I'm awfully worried.
4: It'll be all right. No,
15: I'm, I mean, I tried to phone George, and there's no answer. It's after two, and he should be at home. Mark knew that George and I have. Always been friendly.
10: Would there be any danger to this man, Doctor? Oh, I hardly think so. All of your husband's aggressive urge was directed towards you, Janice.
15: Well, could we go and see if everything is all right? I, I can't help it. I'm worried.
10: Where does he live?
15: In the village. It's not far from here. Could we borrow your car, Doctor? Oh,
10: by all means, my dear. Here, here are the keys.
15: You'll come with me, Mister Dollar.
4: Oh, I'm not letting you go alone. We'll be back as soon as we can, Doctor. <laughs>
15: Oh, this is his house—the white one. Oh, there's his car in the driveway.
7: There's
4: a light on. Maybe his phone is out of order.
15: I—I I told him I'd let him know if anything happened. George! George, it's Jan. He doesn't answer.
0: I want to go in. Let's see.
4: It's unlocked.
15: George?
4: Light's coming from a room back there.
15: Oh, that's his study, where the phone is.
4: we can check that, then. George Masters was lying face-up in the middle of a room that had been pretty well torn up by the struggle. The first thing I noticed were the bruises left on his throat by the hands that had choked him to death. I noticed another thing when I went to the desk to phone the police. There was a gun lying on it, and I would have sworn that it was the same police special Mark Robeson was carrying earlier in the evening. It took Dr. Becker to quiet Janice Browning after I literally dragged her out of the
10: master's house and got her home. I hope she can rest now, but she's dangerously near to mental collapse herself. Yes, I can understand that.
14: Is there anything further that I can do, Mr. Dollar?
10: Nothing now, Betty. Get some sleep if you can.
14: Sleep? Who could sleep?
4: Well, and spend your time packing. You're going back to New York in the morning.
14: I certainly am. For me, you can give Virginia Beach back to the Indian.
10: Was Janice in love with Masters, Doctor? I think so. A great feeling of loyalty, at least. He had helped her so much with monetary loans and so on. But you said he wouldn't remember the association between Masters
4: and his wife. Yes, I was convinced that he wouldn't. There was a police special in Masters' study. I'm positive it was the same one that Robeson used here. Oh? I tried to take it away from him. I couldn't. Why should he leave it at Masters? Well, I don't know. Say, did they know one another before Robeson broke down? Oh,
10: yes. They were quite friendly. And they... oh, good heavens, darling. What are you driving at?
4: Janice borrowed from Masters on a life insurance policy. That usually means making the lender a beneficiary. I don't know how much the policy was for, but I'm going to find
10: out. Well, I dislike having to agree with you, Dollar, but... but I do. In Robeson's warped mind, Janice was the arch enemy. It would have been quite easy for Masters to inflame Robeson to the point where where he would kill his own wife. <laughs> What is it, Betty?
14: Well, he's back. That man, he came back.
10: All right, now take it easy. You're all right.
14: But I saw him. He was looking in the window. One, the one he shot through. Doctor,
4: was... doctor, take care of her, will you? I'd better get back to Janice's room. There was no more trouble that night, nor was there any rest. We knew that since Robeson had come back, he realized his mistake. And we knew that he would try to come back again. We agreed that instead of calling for police protection, we would let him return and try to handle him when he did. An hour after daybreak, we felt it safe to relax, and it wasn't until noon that I drove Betty Light into Virginia Beach and put her aboard a bus bound for the comparative safety of New York. Before I started the return trip, I made a swing past George Master's house, convinced the deputy sheriff in charge that I had a right to poke my nose in, and got myself back into the study.
13: I suppose it'd be all right if you go in. They took up all the evidence they wanted, I guess.
4: What was that, Sheriff?
13: Uh, all the things that'd pick up prints. Here you are. What do you want to look at?
4: Some of his papers. I won't interfere with your work, but I'd like to know how he stood financially.
13: You think that has something to do with it?
4: Oh, I don't know. It might.
13: They dusted all them drawers, so I guess it's all right if you pull them. He's a lawyer, you know.
4: Yeah, I know.
13: Say the field's wide open. A lot of people didn't like him.
4: Oh? I didn't know that. What's that book? It's a ledger. Kept his accounts in it.
13: What'd you find? Janice Brown. Who's that?
4: Somebody he loaned some money to.
13: Ooh, I'll say he did. $20,000.
4: That's all I wanted, Sheriff. Thanks, and I hope I haven't caused you too much trouble. What I'd found was another link in a chain of circumstantial evidence that would never be used since George Masters was dead. He had loaned Janice Browning the thousands she had spent on treatments for her husband, and it was obvious that there was no chance of her ever being able to pay him back. The last notation revealed the fact that a $5,000 loan had been made on her insurance policy in April. A long-distance call to the company told me that the policy was for $50,000 and that George Masters had become the sole beneficiary the same month, April.
10: purpose in telling her, Mr. Dollar, or questioning her?
4: I don't either, Doctor. I hadn't planned to, but the sheriff's office won't think twice about throwing it at her if it gets out.
10: If you will um, allow me the privilege of perjuring a certain amount of expert testimony, I think I could manage to gloss over it.
4: Well, the deputy saw it, but I don't think it sank in.
10: Uh, I hope not. Of course, we're assuming that we'll be successful in subduing Robeson.
4: You said he would come back. I'm sure he will. It is you I'm worried about. Well, I'll have to be ready for him this time. He's too strong to take without a weapon. I hate to do it. Oh, I don't think you need to be.
10: The poor fellow will have no idea what is happening except that he has come back.
4: Okay. Is she awake? Uh, Yes, yes, I think so. Well, it's three o'clock. She should be outside
10: in case he's watching. Yes, yes. I'll go and explain our tactics to her. Good luck, Mr. Dollar. I hope all goes well. (laughs) It seemed almost cruel,
4: baiting the trap, but it had to be done. We paraded Janice Browning through the garden in her most fetching get-up until dark, and then sent her in to sit in front of an open window. I don't know how she held on to her own sanity. I do know that I had a little trouble myself. I sneaked into a position outside the house, from which there was a good view of all the approaches but the one from the north. He arrived at about 10.30... He was moving toward the living room window, and I started toward him. Hi, Mark what? I can't see you. I'm George Masters. You remember? George Masters? That's right. It's your fault. She wasn't in that room. Did I tell you she was in that room? Your heart, George Masters. He made a mistake. I told him, and he said I made a mistake. You're the doctor. Get away from me. we will do it right this time, Mark. Come here. George Masters is dead. You aren't George Masters. No, I'm not, Mark. But you have to come with me. No, I don't. I won't go back to the hospital. I won't let you. Mark. Robeson, don't. Get away from me. No, no, I don't. I'm sorry, Robeson. I don't know what Becker is going to say to the police. But I do know what he learned from his patient after he was returned to the hospital and quieted down. Enclosed, you will find the doctor's confidential statement.
10: He did go to Masters, hoping to ally him as a friend. Taking advantage of his escape, Masters armed him in the hope of realizing a profit from Janice's insurance policy. But Robeson, in his agitation, fired into the wrong room. And because he placed the blame for his mistake on Masters instead of himself, he became violent, and as a result, Masters was killed.
4: Expense account item three, same as item two transportation back to Hartford. Expense account item four, and this is to you personally, Mr. Brewster payment for deceit in acing me into this matter $500. Expense account total $855.75. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Bob Sweeney, Virginia Gregg, Gene Bates, High Averback, and Howard McNear. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar was transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. CBS is the star's address, and when you pay a daytime call, you'll find one of CBS' greatest stars, Arthur Godfrey, on hand to welcome you five days a week, Monday through Friday, for an hour and a quarter each day. Arthur and all the little Godfreys make life more musical and fun for you. Hear Arthur Godfrey's daytime program every Monday through Friday on most of these same CBS stations.
6: To hear each and every star, leave your dials where
7: they are, cause
2: this is CBS, the star's address. Yes, CBS, the star's address. Yes, this is CBS, where Philip Marlowe takes the case every Friday night on the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.
0: Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.